0: the intensity of a hike with my youngest daughter vastly different than a 32 mile ride that I climbed somewhere up over 25, 2,600 feet of elevation yeah, gain because yeah. it's Pennsylvania. Yeah. Like, like it's horrid, right? You're just climbing. I, I don't, I don't think there's ever downhill. Yeah. You're just climbing. You're always no. climbing. Right, But it is. And I think that, that is a picture, right? And you have to understand the different intensities and when, when to step on the gas and when to say, you know what, There's a different season, a different gear, a different pace that I'm going to intentionally go into. And again, if you as a leader, I can't say this enough, if you as a leader, don't watch yourself and don't lead yourself well. No one else will. And then you'll blame everyone else for you being
1: burned out. Mm. Period. Well, welcome to the Advancing Leader Podcast, where we equip leaders to accelerate the mission of the church. My name's Bevan, and I lead at our Dubois campus at Tri-County Church. I'm with Chris Tretheway, our lead pastor at Tri-County, and we are again in this final part of our game plan series of podcasts. Here so, we go yeah so I'm excited this is our last one it's it's our mandate it's our rally cry and uh, it's just tying everything together so I'm going to go through and just mention each component of the game plan there's five parts but I want to remind you if you'd like the show notes you can just sign up and we'll send you an email or you can simply go to advancingleader.com and you can find the show notes there as well um, if you're anything like me, it helps to have something visual you know when you're learning something so if you want those um, those are the ways you can get it so Like I said, we're going to be finishing up this series of podcasts talking about mandate today, but just to tie it all together to say, this is our whole game plan. We have our map, we have our mission, our method, our mindset, which we talked about last time in our mandate, which is our rallying cry that intensifies passion and elevates ownership.
0: Yeah. And so we simply say our map defines a mission. It guides our method, frames our mindset and clarifies our mandate yeah. and uh and maybe even you know, this happens sometimes bevin I wonder instead of clarifies it really intensifies
2: hmm.
0: our mandate yeah right because this this is this is it I mean this is and and as we walk through our 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 mandate today like this this is our rallying cry yeah. and uh the map mission method minds it all I mean right it just it takes that that rallying cry and we just it's something we say all the time and it really gets into the, you know, how we lead out with passion. So I don't know, maybe from clarifies, we might put intensifies there. See, yeah, we're, 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 see we're not afraid of change around here. It's developing. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, seriously, like in real time, like this should be another podcast. Like we are not afraid to, to, to make decisions, to change what, what's best. Yeah, Right. And so uh, I'm going to make a little note here.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's um you know, if you're reading anything Carrie's putting out right now, it's all about the pivot. If you're pivoting well, you're going to continue to adapt to be flexible and to grow. So yeah. So this rally cry, rally cry means a lot of things, but tell me like what you think is the best rally cry.
0: Yeah. One of my favorite, favorite movies of all time. And I don't know, uh, I don't know if you've ever, uh, watched it. Uh, it's an older movie. Robin Williams, uh, starred in it. Is a movie, a dead Poets society.
1: Yeah. I have seen that. Have you seen it? Yeah, we watched it in English in ninth grade. Wow. Christian Bale's in it. He is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm impressed. Uh, a young, young Christian
0: Bale before Batman. He was Batman.
1: Yeah. Oh, he was Batman. Yeah, I, for, so.
0: I think three. three of them. There's a lot of Batman. There's tons. Yeah. Uh, not my favorite, but not my least favorite. Yeah. So we'll, we'll just hold. That's there a different you. conversation. A di- <laughs> we'll do a whole podcast on Batman. Who's the best Batman? Yeah, it's a good leadership conversation. But uh, in Dead Post po Society, uh, uh, they actually talk about this Walt Whitman quote, and the quote is this: "I am. I too. Uh, sorry, I just butchered it. I too am not a, a bit tamed. I'm. I too am un, uh, untranslatable. I sound my barbaric yawp over the roofs of the wor- world, and I just think about right that barbaric yelp, mm. and uh, I every time I think about a rallying cry, I think about that that scene in the movie with uh, Robin Williams, and you know he's trying to get these students to have their barbaric yelp. You mm. know, right? It's it's a phrase that you don't you can't use in everyday life. Yeah, but I think it gives that emotion and that vision of what a rallying cry really is at least for me, like that's the one I go to all the time.
1: Yeah. I think that's a great example. I think of, you know, any, any war movie, any battle movie, you think Braveheart, you think Lord of the Rings, any, any scene where there's just that moment before the battle and they, you know, you have the leader and they're inspiring people. They're getting them ready. You, You can imagine what it would be like to stand in their shoes and say, I'm about to go into battle. And if you're not, if you're not yelling before you go into that, you're missing out. Yeah. You know, uh,
0: you said Braveheart, right? Is the Mel Gibson's uh, character when he just screams freedom, mm-hmm. right? Like, like you just, you just feel it. You sense it, the goosebumps, right? And you're like, Oh, let's go. Yeah. Like now.
1: Yeah. And I think when you make that translation to leadership, to have a rally cry that gets you that excited to just go after the mission, that's that same thing. You know, we're obviously not going to pick up a sword and go to battle, but we are, going to hopefully be passionate about what we're leading into.
0: Well, and I think that that gets into it. It's like what we're passionate about what we're leading into is all about, you know, it's the church, the hope of the world that has a message mm-hmm. that is a message of hope for the world that Jesus came and died and God raised him from the dead. And he he can change your life, right? Yeah. And so that should, I mean, right, our rallying cry should be that barbaric yelp.
1: Yeah, and I think in dead poats society, it almost awakened in, in the students, yeah. you know? It was there, but someone had to call it out. Yeah, So. yeah, yeah, yep. So what about some other examples, um, you know, maybe an example from the Bible of a great rally cry?
0: Yeah, we just did this uh, series uh, titled Triumph, and we went through the story of Gideon which was interesting because I had taught little parts of the story of Gideon, but, uh, I had never really like done a deep dive into his story.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, uh, it was fascinating because Gideon was a coward. And, uh, you know, when you first uh, meet Gideon, he's hiding out threshing wheat by himself, you know, a servant's job. Mm-hmm. And, uh, God comes to him and, uh, God calls him by name. He calls him mighty hero. And, uh, but the whole, I mean, the whole setting was like, that's not a mighty hero. That's not what a mighty hero looks like. You know what I mean? It's like, no. And, uh, but God saw something in Gideon that Gideon didn't see in himself. And so right before battle, he, God had whittled Uh, The soldiers from, you know, 32,000 down to 10,000 down to 300, Hmm. if I got my numbers right. And 300, right? And they were going against, I mean, just the, the, I mean, not just the Midianites, but multiple nations, right? There's so many soldiers, like they couldn't even remotely count them, right? Mm-hmm. And God just will them down to 300. And so Gideon's like, "Hey, 300." And he's giving the the battle plan, which wasn't just swords and archers and chariots. It was rams' horns and clay pots and and torches, right? It's <laughs> like it's just what God does, right? Because yeah. God wanted everyone to know that He was going to get the victory. Yep. And then Gideon's like, "Okay, when you when you uh, uh, blow your uh, rams' horns and when you smash." Uh, the clay pot, you know, and grab the ram's horn in one hand and the torch in the other one, and then everyone scream, you know, for the Lord and for Gideon, mm. and you could just imagine that 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 moment. Right, it's dark at night. All of these soldiers are camped down. You know, um, they're just waiting to just decimate. Uh, the tribes of Israel, in the, and all of a sudden in the middle of the night, right, you hear these ram's horns, you see all these torches, you hear these men scream, right, mm-hmm. and, and then God just creates confusion. Yeah. But right, that's that, for the Lord and for Gideon. Yeah. yeah. That's a great one.
1: Yeah, that's, a, that's an awesome example. So, yeah, we have we have our rallying cry here at Trike County, and so we have love, live, lead, like Jesus. We also have leave behind a legacy, but that's kind of our rally cry, and so we're going to talk about that. Um, you know, we're going to break it down part by part, but I just think it's so important that we have that. You know, like every every good battle needs a rally cry, but so does the church because our mission is just as important. It's it's just as life and death as a real battle would be.
0: Yeah, and these are things we say all the time. Yeah. Right? Uh, whether we say uh, you know, it as a phrase or say parts of the phrase, and we'll, we'll get into it, but this is something that, you know— I find myself on a weekend communicating or with leaders communicating or in an email or a short video. Like, right. Mm. These are things that we just we say all the time. Why? Because it is our rallying cry.
1: Yeah. So I'm just going to I'm just going to go through the rallying cry and then we'll we'll break down each part. So, yeah, we want to, you know, love like Jesus loved, live like he lived, lead like he led and leave behind a legacy like he left behind. Or to say it differently, we want to love first, live differently, lead passionately. And lead a legacy. Yep, yeah. that's it. All right, so let's get into the first one, love first, which if you're familiar with Tri-County Church, I'm sure you're familiar with this phrase.
0: Yeah, It was so cool. Like when we landed on, on this simple phrase, of so love first, and uh, uh, it just came out, I- I'm pretty sure it was uh, just in a weekend message. And uh, when we said love first, uh, it was just such a succinct way to communicate <laughs> what Jesus said, yeah. right? and well Jesus said it more succinctly. he said love. Yeah. <laughs> but but the first was such a, a important word because I think in our culture and our society we're so quick to put other things first and we're like no we're just going to be a people that truly loves first. And mm-hmm. so you know it, it started to 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 get its life of its own and then we made t-shirts and it was so cool. Was, um we did a a weekend where we were serving communities and we Did these love first shirts, and not only did we sell, sell out, we had to order more and sold out of those. And then, all of a sudden, across social media, you started seeing all these people um, not just from the weekend we served our communities, but just like at cookouts, they had their yeah. love first shirts on, and now you still see them. And now we have hoodies. And yeah, once you put a phrase on a, a shirt or a hoodie, it's right? It's sticking, it, it's sticking, yeah. But uh, it really you know, that phrase love first again is is a rallying cry that we want to be a church known for loving first. Yeah. So many churches are known for their rules. They're known for uh, legalism, right? They're known for not being friendly. Uh, they're known for being insulated. And, uh, and that's sad uh, because we have the great, again, the greatest message ever. And so we want to be a church that no- is known for how we love. And we always define the, how we love by saying, not with words, with action, mm right? Yeah. words are fine. We should love with our words, by the way, but it's the action, how we live our lives, how people see us loving other people. That's, that's what's going to make a difference. And so,
1: yeah. And I think what's interesting is when you think of like the battle cry and Braveheart, like the rally cry was to action, but the action was violence. When you think of the church, our action is to love. It's completely different, but just as powerful.
0: Yeah. And, um, I think what's what's sad even in this conversation is that we have to say to people, no, no, we're going to love first. Yeah. Right? Jesus took all the commands and he brought it down to this one command. And uh he said it different ways, right? He said, you know, love your uh love your enemies, right? And uh which is very clarifying, right? (laughs) Like like no, no, the people that hate you and that you hate, you gotta love. And, uh, but over and over again, he kept on coming back to say, no, 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 you you must, as I have loved you, you must love one another. You know, another point Jesus said, you know, how you love one another, the world will see, Mm -hmm. right? They will see that love, right? And that love will draw them to me. And that's why it's so important that we as Christ followers just realize that how the world sees us loving them will draw them to Jesus's love, hmm. right The greatest you know witness, the greatest in the, you know, another one of these big church works, evangelistic tools isn't some tract isn't screaming with a sign in your hands, right yeah. It's like just love people like Jesus loves you and if we just get that right, we'll get other things wrong, right yeah. We'll get other things wrong. but let's not let's not get that wrong. yeah and I, I have to say we as a church, again, not perfection, but we get that right a whole bunch. Yeah, And it makes me smile.
1: Yeah. It's been really cool to see just what's happened with like our fearless church website um, throughout this whole pandemic we just went through, I guess still kind of part of coming out of, I don't know where we're at anymore, but anyways, it's just been awesome to see there's a group of people that want to help out just to see their eagerness, their excitement, and to see them just going out into the communities and just loving on people. I mean, we've been collecting non-perishable food items. We've been collecting household items like toilet paper, cleaning products and it's just been amazing to see the generosity that's just sprung up from people and they're just like bringing bag after bag and then we have families that are in need and it's like oh we have what we need. That's that's what it means to love.
0: Yeah, like so you, you said generosity, right? So we have another statement, you know, generosity fueled by love. Hmm. Right? Because generosity is always fueled by love. Yeah. Because generosity when it as a, as as a Christian or as Christ followers, right? When we view generosity, it's viewed through what Jesus gave to us on the cross, mm. right? A gift that we could never, right? We can never repay that. Yeah. His death, him taking on the sin of the world on his shoulders so that we may have eternal life. Zero way to repay that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Zero way to replace that, Right. We can't. And when when Christ followers realize that generosity is fueled by what Jesus did on the cross and what he did on the cross was fueled by God's love. That's why we say fueled by love. Yeah, You can't help not to be generous, right? So many times people think generosity is like, oh, you just want money or you're just trying to get, what? No, (laughs) right? This is what it means to be a Christ follower. It's why the early church, right? Generosity erupted. Because they realized what Jesus had given them, right you can't help be generous, yeah, because it's fueled by what Jesus did, and what Jesus did was fueled by God's love for people, yeah, and so we, we just we're just passionate about that, and we love when you know we have a generous church, mm-hmm. they give generously they 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 feed people generously, they help build decks for people generously, like yeah. right like the stories we have of people you know during this pandemic. You know, we had one of our campuses, they held a baby shower for someone, Hmm. right? Like they just gathered stuff together and had a virtual baby shower for a family that desperately, you know, needed stuff. You know, um, you shared with us last week of someone that needs some help, you know, with their house and, uh, you know, just generosity is erupting to say, how can we help someone? And, uh, you know, we have an an office filled with food right now, right? (laughs) That people have given and people are still giving food and we're still distributing food. Yeah. It's a beautiful line.
1: Yeah, when love's, the, when love's the rally cry, you can't help but, no. but be generous. Yeah, so, so when we're loving, um, obviously it draws people to us, and I think this ties into our next statement is because we're living differently. Like yes. people don't look at Christ followers because they're doing the same thing everyone else is doing. They're, I think it's a curiosity to say, why are they doing what they're doing? So, so why don't you unpack a little bit of like what it means to truly live differently?
0: Yeah, so when you, when you love like Jesus has loved, right? It starts to change how you live. And our goal, right, as Christ followers, it's not about the do's and don'ts. We want to live a life reflecting Jesus. That's what live differently means.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and so when, you know, some people come out of church religious context where it was all the do's and don'ts, right? Yeah. There's a list of things that you can't do. Or if you're found out doing, you're going to get shamed or kicked out of the church. And there's, there's people listening to this podcast right now where they remember when their family member got kicked out or they got kicked out of a church, right? It's mm-hmm. all these, all these rules. And we just say, Well, we we want to be a church that that lives our lives reflecting Jesus. So how how do we do that? And what does that look like? And so that really becomes if we truly love everyone, like Jesus loves everyone, then we will live like Jesus lived. Hmm. And so in those two statements, this is what happens. This is what happens because I've heard this, uh, before, you know, people are like, oh, you're just that church that, you know, loves everyone, but you really don't preach the Bible. I'm like, whoa, (laughs) time out. Right. Yeah. Like, like, like they just think that's a warm, fuzzy thing that we, well, it is on t-shirts, which makes it warm and fuzzy. (laughs) Um, especially the hoodies. Those are even more warmer, Yeah, more warmer, warmer, more. Yeah, more, more anyway, warm. More. <laughs> someone can correct uh, our grammar, my grammar, but right. They just, they just think, oh, that's just a warm, fuzzy little statement, right? You're not preaching the Bible. You're yeah. not holding people accountable, right? Like, and I use my voice inflection because that's how people say it. Yeah. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If we truly love like Jesus loved, like that raises a bar of expectation uh, and accountability higher than anything else, right? When you lens everything through love right? Everything through love. For instance, how you interact with someone or talk about someone or gossip about someone
2: Hmm.
0: when love is the filter, there's nothing higher than that. Yeah. Right. How you talk about someone behind their back. How's that loving like Jesus loved? Yeah. Not Mm -hmm. right. And so when you start lensing everything through that, right, the bar becomes so high because Jesus is perfection and we're not. But our pursuit is to love like Jesus and to live like Jesus. And and so as we kind of split this out uh, with live differently, what we have to be very intentional with as a church and as Christ followers is there's a standard in which when you name Jesus the subject of your life, your pursuit is to live differently, to live like Jesus. But if you're not a Christ follower that's not the same standard. Mm -hmm. And a lot of churches slash Christ followers have lost focus on that. Right. So they want to apply the same standard, the same moral standard to non-Christians as Christians. You Mm -hmm. know, Paul in first Corinthians chapter five um, says, what business of mine is to judge those outside the church. Yeah. Right. For the people outside the church, we have one pursuit to tell them about Jesus, right? The Jesus whose love for them made him crawl up on the cross for them, to die for them. That's our only pursuit. Yeah. Now, when someone names Jesus as the subject of their life, right, now their pursuit is to live a life reflecting Jesus. And so now we as a church, spiritual leaders, want to come be f- beside them and walk with them on that journey. Yeah. But there's so many times where all of a sudden churches are putting this, this accountability on people, that aren't Christ followers. Mm -hmm. They might be part of their church. They might be even serving in their church, right? They're on their spiritual journey, but they haven't named Jesus the subject of their life. So right now, your number one pursuit is to have them name Jesus as Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. That's your only pursuit. Yeah. Then when they say yes to Jesus, now they start loving and living.
1: Yeah, and I think such a big part of living differently is realizing that, it's all because of what Jesus has done, not what we've done. And that's why it's easy for us to take a hold of someone's hand and bring them with us to say, Hey, I'm not perfect either, but because of what Jesus did, I can pursue perfection. I can pursue him and you don't have to have everything figured out, but let's do this together. I think that's a huge component of living differently is, yeah, we're not going to hold people to standards that don't believe we believe. We're just going to continue to love on them because that's what we're called to do. And hopefully, you know, within that context of loving them, they just, figure out who Jesus is, make him the subject and then come on that journey with us. Yeah.
0: yeah. And it's, it's the wit with us. One of the things we're, we're very passionate about and committed to is walking with people on their spiritual journey. Right. So people who don't know Jesus walking with them on their spiritual journey. Yeah. You know, and when they name Jesus the subject of their life, now walking with them, helping them to fully realize what it means to love like Jesus and to live like Jesus. Yeah. And, uh, in John chapter 1, uh, there's this great statement, um, and I love I love the entire gospel of John. In John 1, it talks about that Jesus came full of complete truth and full of grace. Now, we as human beings, we, we want to start putting percentages on those <laughs> titles, right? Yeah. I mean, like, and there's churches that are like 98% truth and 2% grace, and there's churches that are 98% grace and 2% grace. Tr- uh, truth, and then that pendulum slides, right? Yeah. And uh, and that's usually when people think that we're the warm and fuzzy church, right? Yeah. Uh, you just want to love everyone. Yeah,
1: you're either warm and fuzzy or you're fire and brimstone. That's
0: it. That's it. That's it, right? And uh, I just bring people back to, I had a great conversation with a high-level leader who uh, is stepping into leadership, and he was just you know trying to process through his background, church background, and where we were, and he had some questions around truth and grace, and probably came out, not probably, came out more that truth type of church construct Mm -hmm. and you know we're a grace centered church but what people miss is we're also a truth centered church right but how we approach those two right we're trying to approach them like jesus approached them so jesus was full of truth and full of grace a hundred percent truth hundred percent grace yeah right he embodies them completely and we understand there's a tension between truth and a tension between grace, right? There's just a tension there. Yeah. When you slide them together, right? Truth calls out sin. Grace covers sin.
2: Mm.
0: Truth identifies sin. Grace removes that sin. Mm. Truth makes you realize how broken and fractured you are. Grace. Oh, it's like a warm blanket, right? Like it just covers. You're like, yeah, yeah. God's love is for me. So what we try to do in our leadership culture is, yes, we're a very grace center culture, but we also will call people out. But that happens one-on-one hmm. all That's the big. time, That's big. right? Because we love people enough to sit down with them and say, we, we have to have a hard conversation, or we noticed something in your life, or you posted something that maybe you shouldn't have posted, but I love you enough that I'm going to sit down with you and talk with you. What happens in so many different organizations, and especially in the church, is people don't have the courage to have a one on one conversation. So they handle it one of two ways they handle it in a group setting, and everyone knows they're targeting someone.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> everyone
0: knows, right? Like you heard me say it at a staff meeting. I, this isn't attached to anyone. Mm-hmm. Like I want to make it clear because I will go to the person, right? Yeah. Uh, but they'll do it in a group setting and they'll launch a missile at a person, even though they're acting like it's for the whole group, but everyone knows who they're launching at. Yeah. Or the second thing they do is they don't take it to the group, but they talk to everyone else on the team except for the person.
1: Hmm. They avoid the real conversation yeah. because there's the tension in that, that conversation. Yeah. yeah,
0: Because to be a leader requires courage, hmm which goes back to Gideon, right? He was a coward, mm-hmm. but because of God's presence, right? His courage came from being tethered to God, yeah. not f- for himself, right? And so we, we just, as a leadership culture, value having one-on-one conversations all the time. So we had a situation once and someone came to a leader attached to a campus and launched an accusation, The accusation was, why aren't you handling this situation? And what I loved what this leader said was, well, how do you know we're not? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And left the person just dumbfounded. You'll never know what we are. Well, well, how are you? Well, that's not for you to know. Hmm. Because we love the person in the situation. And we're not going to tell you how we are or aren't going to handle it. But trust us that we value truth and grace. Well, are you going to remove the person? No, that's not grace. Well, yeah, but it's sin. And then the then this team member said this. I love this. So do you not sin?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Right? And so we just try to say, we're, we're going to lead with truth because we're called to live differently and with grace. Yeah. And it was Jesus with a woman caught in the act of, the, of adultery, you without sin cast the first stone. And then he looked at her and said, get up and sin no more.
1: Yeah, and I think culture, culture is so important. Like if, if you don't create this culture on the team level, then it's just going to spin out into something else. And what we know is culture is like an echo. It just reverberates yes. out. If you as the leader don't create the culture within our staff, then whatever... Whatever is created, whatever culture that is, is going to bleed into our teams, and our teams are going to lead into our t- team members, and then our team members are going to bleed into the people that are stepping in foot of the church for the first time ever, and that's when they feel so, like, I'm an outsider here, because if the culture's off, people are going to feel it the whole way through the church.
0: Yeah, and it starts with us. Yeah. So just yesterday, uh, uh, I deliver the message now on Wednesdays, so there's a lot of pressure to get a <laughs> message Deliver ready by Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, so we can record it for for our online and for our campuses. But it's going to be a better product for our campuses. So that's a win. Well, I, I come into our broadcast campus building. I'm focused on uh, all the slides, the turns, because I memorize everything. It's Wednesday. It's been a long season. So I'm exhausted. A staff member, um, uh, uh, he's on the executive team with me, a friend of mine goes, hey, do you have two minutes? And I was just short and just rude. I literally said no, and I kept walking. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I get up on stage, and I'm like, that was rude. Yeah. Like, that was just horrible. Like, it was rude to the people listening. It was rude to him. It was just rude. Yeah. And so right when I got done with the message, I walked in his office, and I was like, hey, uh, his name's Ryan. I go, Ryan, bro, sorry. That Mm. was so rude. And in a flash, he goes, oh, no. I knew you were getting ready to preach and your mind was just focused on your slides. So two things happened. One is, um, he knows that, you know, I'll own my, right. Mm. But what I appreciated is he didn't take it personal and he quickly closed a gap in his mind to go, Oh, Chris is here to go preach. He's focused on that. And that's, that's, that's truth and grace right there. Yeah. Right. And when we have a culture where we're willing to call out our, uh, whatever that is, right. Yeah. A drop ball. Like I love when staff members are like I dropped that ball. I just dropped it. Yeah. You know, I dropped it, but they go pick it up. Right. Not okay. When someone drops a ball and then they expect me to pick it up yeah. or someone else. Right? Yeah. That drives me nuts. Yeah. But,
1: I think if culture, if we have an ownership culture, that's just healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Owning
0: it. And people want to, want to be part of that. Same way, people want to be part of a truth and grace culture. Like, you want, if you drop something, you want to hear it from me, not from three other people that I talk to. Yeah. Right? That's horrible. Same thing for me. <laughs> yeah. Like, if I tick you off, the worst thing, worst thing, if I hear it down through the line, I've never done, had this happen, by the way, um, right? And it gets to me. Yeah. Right? Like, who wants to be part of that? Right? Now trust implodes. It starts to crumble. And if you don't have trust on the team, you have nothing. Right. And so truth and grace says we're going to be a a, a church leadership that will speak truth and will extend grace. And and equally, as best as we can, because we're not Jesus, but our pursuit is to do that 100%, 100% truth, 100% grace. Yeah.
1: So I think it it ties in well with where we're going next. You know, you think of culture, you think of leadership, and then obviously the word lead and lead passionately. I think it's all just seamless when it comes into living differently means we lead passionately. I mean, it's the same thing. It builds off. We love first, which causes us to live differently. And when we live differently, we lead with passion. So why don't we just talk a little bit more about what it means to lead passionately?
0: Yeah. Do you remember, uh, I'm pretty sure Tri-County Church never had one of these just because... It's a younger church, but tri County Church turns twenty five years old uh, this July August yeah which is crazy and awesome mm-hmm. that we're gonna celebrate that this fall but uh a lot of older churches I, and I grew up in a church that they had this painting it's the same painting it was Jesus uh with um a sheep kind of wrapped around I, it yeah his shoulders right and uh and it's just this meek mild picture and I'm not saying That's not a part of who Jesus is, right? It is Jesus, the good shepherd. Yeah. But I think that's the image that so many people kind of think Jesus was. But when I read the gospels, the stories of Jesus, that wasn't his go to perspective, right? You, You think about how Jesus taught. I mean, he was pointed. He was direct, right? He didn't hold back. You know, there's times where he hit every nerve he possibly could and he knew what he was doing, how he interacted with just different groups of people, how he treated the, the religious elite, the Pharisees and Sadducees, like how he treated them was different, how he uh, treated different crowds of people, how he uh, interacted with the disciples at different points along the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could tell the, the cadence in which he moved through his three years of public ministry. Right? Just think about that when you read through the context of the Gospels and the cadence of, of his life. And he was so deliberate because he knew everything was leading to the cross, right? Mm-hmm. Everything was. Times where he slowed down because he realized that the crowd was pushing him towards the cross. They didn't know that, right? But like you could feel like he was like, oh, not yet, not yeah. yet. It's not the right time, because he knew the moment that he was going to ride into Jerusalem on the donkey, right? Yeah. And so you could just sense this whole cadence of how, how much he was going to push some things and how much he would pull back, the times where you go across to the other side of the lake, right? The cadence. yeah. And uh, I just think Jesus led with so much passion, again, not saying he didn't have moments with a sheep around his, his, his neck, yeah. <laughs> which I don't think he ever really did. Maybe he did. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he it around Maybe he just carried around a sheep. Yeah. Uh, anyway, moving <laughs> on. But right, there's a passion that just, I mean, just erupts from the gospel stories around Jesus. Even to the moment, the moment he looks at the apostles and says, you will be my witnesses mm. here in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Now go. Right. And I think that's how we should live our one life.
1: Yeah. I love, you said the word cadence and I love, um, I love looking at this for two reasons because I think there's a misconception with passion equating to like movement or urgency or constant activity. And that's not how Jesus lived his life. That's not how he led in his earthly ministry. I mean, you just talked about there'd be moments where the crowd was here and he's like, I got to get away. Mm -hmm. I got to rest. I got to recharge. I got to get ready. And I think that's the perfect model for us as leaders just because you're leading passionately doesn't mean you constantly have to be moving because we need rest. That's why Jesus modeled it for us because you know this, he was Jesus. He could have done it without any rest, but if he was going to model the perfect life for us, knowing that there were going to be people behind him that were going to model their life after him, he had to build in rest to, to show us that that's part of the cadence of leadership of leading passionately. It doesn't mean that we take a break completely. We unplug. That's great, but it just has to be a rhythm. It has to be a season of, a season of readiness and action, but then also a season of retreat and recharging and refreshing.
0: Yeah. And no one's going to do that for you except for you. Yeah. Jesus didn't ask the crowd if he could get away. Jesus didn't ask his disciples, Hey, is it okay right now? Is this a good time? Can I get away?
1: Can I take a nap?
0: (laughs) He just, he went. Yeah. Right. He left. He, he didn't heal everyone. He didn't feed everyone. He didn't counsel everyone, Hmm. right? He didn't do everyone's funeral or wedding, right? Didn't. And I think that's what, especially in church leadership, whatever position you're in, whatever leadership team you're leading out, you can't be all things for all people. Yeah. At the end of the day, God has called you to lead in health. And if you don't lead in health, you're going to crumble and, and and fall apart and hit that emotional spiritual brick wall. Yeah, and I think watching Jesus's cadence, what you just said is so important that there's just times where we're talking about this today. There's time and before the podcast, like times where we just have to say no. Yeah, times where we just have to push pause. Times where we just we don't have it in us. So you are coming out of a, an extremely fulfilling yet daunting season of leadership, mm. right great stories, yeah, right great moments where like God, f- through this pandemic, God so thankful we're part of what you're doing, right if I said it once, I'd said it a thousand times, you know in this unprecedented moment, we have been part of God's unprecedented movement, right mm. I've said it all, we are exhausted, <laughs> <laughs> right yeah, um because not only have we Carry the emotional and spiritual load of a church and so many people hurting and 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 trying to find hope right yeah we've we've personally had to wander through a season of the unknown and uh um, through all of it, and so holding on to the cadence you know that's that is you 're right what leading passionately is so that we can have seasons where you know, uh, it's kind of like we can crank down the RPMs so that we can come into a new season and rev them back up. again.
1: Yeah. And I think to go back to culture as well, something I am you know so thankful that our culture here at Tri-County is is for that time off, time to get away, time to rest, time to recharge. I mean, I think you just said it this past week, um, coming into restarting our physical locations. We know there's going to be a lot of movement, a lot of energy, a lot of decisions. And you said, make sure you're getting some time. Yep. I love that that's embedded in our culture because it's, it's exactly right. What well, you said, no one's going to do it for you. And if you don't do it, you're going to be, you're going to be hurting down the road.
0: Well, I, I think, you know, I, the last time I saw this, the statistic, it was like eighty some percent of all people who start in, you know, pastoral church leadership won't, won't, won't end up there when they retire. Hmm. And, uh, you know, it's some, you know, it's staggering, right? When you think about that. And, uh, and i think the underlying reason for that is that people aren't taking care of themselves.
1: Yeah, not pacing well.
0: Not pacing. And there's always excuses. This season, season of growth or the church needed me. Like i'm just i've done this 25 years and i've gone through insane seasons of growth. I mean, there was a good amount of time when i was in Las Vegas that we were growing as a church 20 25% a year. Wow. For most of my 17 years there. And we still have the value of rest. Hmm. We still had the value of rest. Yeah, we had the value of cadence. And there's just seasons where it's like we're just cranking down. You know, we just made a decision this um, two days ago about an, a a series coming up here in a couple of weeks, and we made the decision. I love the idea. Love the series uh, direction. And we're like, just not not now. And we we shifted it to allow staff to have a season of rest still going to be a great series right mm-hmm. worships going to be good teaching's going to be right we're not sacrificing excellence or quality yeah but mm-hmm. we're removing layers of complication of creative complication uh so that we can have that yeah and if if we don't lead ourselves well we will burn out yeah and that's not honoring of god
1: Mm-mm. Well, and you know this too, like, you know, you ride your bike, you're, you run a lot. You have to build in rest of your routine. Yep. You can't, you know, run eight miles a day for seven days a week and then go back and do it again on Monday. Otherwise you're just going to be gassed. You won't be able to do it at all. Same thing with the bike. Like I'm sure you don't get on your bike and ride 20 miles every day. I do. Oh, well then. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: but that is right. Like right? Whatever, uh, 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 you know, exercise discipline. It's all about, right, mm-hmm. pushing your limits, whether distance or intensity, right? And those are two different, yeah, right? And and then periods of rest or active rest. So like I went out, uh, this was a week ago, rode 30, 32 miles. Day after, I went on a hike with my daughter. Still exercise, mm-hmm. but the intensity of a hike with my youngest daughter, vastly different than a 32-mile ride that I climbed somewhere up over – 25 2,600 feet of elevation yeah. gain because yeah. it's Pennsylvania. Yeah. Like, like it's horrid, right? You're just climbing. I, I don't, I don't think there's ever downhill. Yeah. You're just climbing. You're always no. climbing. A hill. Right. But it is. And I think that that is a picture, right? And you have to understand the different intensities and when, when to step on the gas and when to say, you know what? There's a different season, a different gear, a different pace that I'm going to intentionally go into. And again, if you as a leader, I can't say this enough. If you as a leader, don't watch yourself and don't lead yourself well, no one else will. And then you'll blame everyone else for you being burned out.
1: Hmm. Period. Yeah. But again, great transition to what we're talking about legacy, which we talked about on the last episode. So, um, you know, if you haven't checked out that episode, we have a great part of that episode where we just talk a ton about legacy, not just on the church level, not just on the leadership level, but, you know, as individuals, you know, personally, what's our legacy going to be? But it's that thought that if, you know, whatever the percentage is, the high, high, you know, 70s, low 80s of people that start in pastoral ministry, don't, don't like end there. Like that's part of legacy. So if you're not pacing yourself now, it's going to vastly change your legacy. So like I said, we talked a lot about that, um, in our last podcast, but why don't you just give us um, you know, some insights on church legacy, on on the movement of the church and the legacy that, that Jesus started that continues with us now.
0: Yeah, so I have this vision. I shared this with a counselor uh, years ago as I was going through a, a difficult time, just, you know, um, uh, my wife and I uh, losing a son. And so all of that led to this, this, this season because, um, you know, I was emotionally, spiritually crumbling.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And he asked me the question, he goes share with me a picture that, uh, at the end of your life, like if you could choose like the last moment, you know, um, before you die, leave this earth, what would that look like? And it was such a, uh, an interesting question, right? Like if you could choose that moment and, uh, and, uh, I quickly without, without thinking, I didn't have to process this. I, I'd never really thought about it before, yeah. but I didn't have to process. I didn't have to say, well, give me a moment, give me, you know, 24 hours. I'll get back to you. In that moment, I said, well, I know. I want to be sitting on a porch uh, swing. At that moment, we had a cabin in Utah, beautiful cabin, sat like right at 9,700 feet Hmm. in a valley. Sheep would come up during the summer, right? It was just, so that was an image. I go, I'd be sitting on a porch swing with my wife, Kim. We'd both be. Uh, fat and wrinkly because <laughs> at that point we won't care yeah. right like like forget the bike rides right yeah, yeah at, the, at no some more point bike riding. yeah at some point you're like something's going to take me right yep. you know and we're sitting at, on this porch swing and our, our our kids and our grandkids and hopefully even our great-grandkids yeah. they're all playing out and i look at kim at and uh and i say um well we did it we ran the one race that we have we gave her all our kids. We gave everything to our kids and to each other and to God. And in that moment, God, you can take me home. Hmm. That's the picture. That's a picture. Perfect. No. Did everything right with our kids or grandkids or grandkids? No. Mm-mm. Perfect husband to my wife? No. Perfect pastor? No. But I ran the race and I crossed the finish line and I looked at God and said, God, I gave it all. Yeah. I gave it all and I looked, I looked at, at, um, this guy named John Walker and I said, that's it. That's it. I, I want to le- leave this life like that. And you, here is years later, I was with my dad right before he took his last breath. And uh, I fed him his last meal of scallops. (laughs) Scallops. He asked, or I asked, what do you want to eat? That's what he wanted. He wanted scallops. Like, to this day, I laugh. Like, scallops, Dad? He's like, yeah, I want scallops. So I looked in their freezer. They had some frozen. (laughs) I'm like, I've never cooked scallops. I YouTube scallops, right? To this day, when I see scallops on a a menu, I just laugh because I was like, so I cooked my dad's scallops. He ate one and a half scallops. That was the last thing he ate. And I don't know, four days later he passed away. But mm. one of the things I said to my dad was dad, that's the legacy you're living. Yeah. you loved your wife with all of your heart. You loved us kids. You embodied Jesus. You served and led in the church passionately. You maximized one life. And that, I mean, you talking about as a son, That's the legacy. Yeah. And uh, I just think that's, you know, I I wish, you know, we said this in in, uh, part four of game plan, right? That so many times people think about legacy at the very end. Mm. And you said, we, we have to start thinking about legacy now. Yeah. Right? Because we don't know when the end is going to be. And the now shapes what the end does look like. Mm. The decisions now, how we love our wives, how we love our kids, for you, how you love your cats, Mm -hmm. which is a waste of life to love your (laughs) cats. Um, (laughs) Never gets old, by the way. Um, I should say forgive me for making fun of cats. That's
1: okay. I forgive you.
0: Okay, thank you. See, you have to forgive me, though, right? It's in the Bible. We're
1: on a podcast. Full
0: of truth (laughs) and grace. See right there. Truth and anyway, <laughs> we're a podcast. <laughs> but right, it, all of those decisions happen now. Mm. So we talk about cadence. Yeah. So Kim and I always said that our kids are going to love the church more because we lead and work within the church. Yeah. Not less. And I tell you, our girls love the church more to this day. And we have an 18-year-old and 14-year-old. They love the church more because we lead and work within the church, not less. That's awesome, right? It's Legacy.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's it's interesting that you say that picture. I had a conversation with a pastor friend, um, just last week, and, and I was you know talking about a similar concept. You know, when you think of legacy, I hope all of us end our race that well. I hope that when you know when we get to heaven, we've used everything God gave us. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, we're, we're broken down, we're tired, we're weary, we're just we're ready to collapse by the time we get there because we've just given every single ounce of what He's given us. Yeah. I just think it's a beautiful picture of what legacy means to, to lead and to live a life well-lived for Jesus.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. it. And then God, take me home. Yep. So when it comes to, I think that was almost the question you asked me a few moments ago, <laughs> but when it comes to the church, right, let's just loop back in, 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 into this. Like We have to understand, you know, we're launching this series, uh, Unstoppable. And uh, it's all about the movement of the church. Nothing has or will stop the movement of the church. Yeah. Right? And and we just got to, like, that's like one of those statements where you just go, period. Mm. God, sovereign God, has put into motion his church, a gathering of people to tell all people about Jesus. Nothing's going to stop that. And nothing has. Yeah right? Pandemics, wars, dictators, right? The church has proven the more a country's government tries to stop the church, the more it spreads, mm. right? It's just proof, like what the, what's happening with the church in China, what, what's happening with the church in Iran, yeah. right? The pandemic we just came through, like people were flooding back church online, but they're right there rushing back to God, trying to hold on to hope. God has just proven over and over and over again for 2000 years, right? That nothing can stop the church. So we as Christ followers in our present moment have to realize our pursuit is to leave a legacy of more people that know Jesus, that are loving like him, living like him. And, and this is why we started the advancing leader podcast who are leading passionately. Like one of the things that we want to do as a church, as an organization is raise up more and more people that are going to lead passionately because they realize with the one life they have, it's all about positioning God's church to continue to have more people love and live like Jesus, yeah, right. And so we want to do our part to create a leadership culture where people go, yeah, let's lead passion, uh, passionately together.
1: When I think how how much louder is our rally cry when we know that we have the victory? Yeah, you think of you think of the battle scenes and all those great movies. They didn't know
2: it's they true. were they yeah. were
1: going into battle, but we already know. So our our rally cry needs to be even louder because we have victory in Jesus. I yeah. mean, it's just when you talk about legacy, Jesus has defeated everything that's tried to stop the church so far and he will for all time.
2: All time, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, Chris, I really appreciate this conversation. Like I said, we're wrapping up our game plan series of podcasts and this has just been awesome to have you know each component separate in its own episode and just to see the progression and the build um, that each one has taken off of each other. I've really enjoyed these conversations and I think... You know, these conversations are going to help not only me and my leadership, but, you know, our church, as we continue to build up and raise leaders And any leadership who's listening now, any leader who's listening now who leads anything, I just think it's going to be such a great tool for them to have this information so that they can act upon it.
0: Yeah. You know, you you talk about how good this process has been for us, right? Leaders are learners. Mm -hmm. We always should be learning. And, uh, I just think about the number of moments either on the podcast like today or, uh, before the podcast is we were just, you know, working on some of these ideas and just really fleshing them out. Right. Like, like uh, adding the word intensifies. Yeah. Right. And I just think that's been such a good part of it is right. It's been challenging for us as we've worked through, talk through, go like, do I share that story? Do I not share that story? Like Mm -hmm. how do we talk about that? And uh, that's just such a huge value because when you stop learning, right, you stop growing. And so the Advancing Leader podcast is just about, hey, let's learn together and let's grow together and let's continue to make the biggest impact that we can. Yeah. And that's really what the game plan is about, right? yeah It is the framework. So we can maximize every moment that we have. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, with that, uh, we'll be rolling off to a whole nother host of great episodes in the future. And we're excited about that. And uh, again, I think, We have populated a list uh, from just these side conversations. You're like, hey, what about this? What about this? What about this? And so more episodes will be coming. So we'll be talking more about that. So I just want to say uh, on behalf of Bevan and myself, uh, thank you for uh, being part of the Advancing Leader
1: podcast. Yeah, thanks, guys.